0: everyone, I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome everyone, I am so happy that you are tuning in for today's episode with Annette Azan, the founder of Nudie System. You guys are going to love getting to know Annette and her amazing brand. Again, a special welcome to our new listeners. So happy that you're here and that you're tuning in today. Well, you guys, I am actually tuning in from a different place. For those of you who are familiar with the podcast and myself, you know that I live in Los Angeles. I'm actually tuning in from Vegas. My husband and I are here for work And we are enjoying ourselves. It's really hot here. It's really hot. But it had me thinking uh, I'd love to know where are you tuning in from? Where do you guys live? I have all the stats in front of me, but I would love to know. Be sure to tag us when you listen to today's episode. Let me know where are you listening from. I am so curious now to know where all of you are. I know that we have listeners in all 50 states uh, and across the globe at this point, so it would be really fun. I'm tuning in from Vegas. Where are you guys? Where are you ladies? I know many of you were able to listen to last week's episode with Pamela Munson. If you have not done so yet, I highly encourage you to do so. You can also check out the week before that with Lucy Murkison of Love Lucy and all of our incredible guests, which you can find anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Last Friday, I did something a little different, but really fun. We did a bonus episode where I basically shared a brainstorming session about growth and success of the podcast and what that looks like to me. Just a bunch of different thoughts that I've been having recently, and I was really surprised at how many of you reached out and said that you enjoyed it. So join the conversation, head over to that episode, be sure to let us know what you think. Well, in the meantime, I know you're going to love today's episode. Here is our very special guest, Annette Azan on How'd She Do That? Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of How'd She Do That?, Today's guest, Annette Azan, is the founder of Nudie System, the ultimate undergarment for every woman. Annette is a 25-year veteran of the fashion industry and graduate of the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. Annette's roles throughout her career have ranged from owning a boutique, creating her own interior design firm, and most recently, developing and testing the Nudie garment and officially launching the product and brand in 2019. Nudie's unique double-strap system can be worn 12-plus ways and is sold online as well as in stores in California, New York, Colorado, and even Costa Rica. Annette believes in empowering women to be confident in the skin they're in and has created an impressive and empowering community of women through her many different ventures. When Annette isn't overseeing production of her cult favorite bra, speaking with women like myself, or brainstorming all that's to come with her team, she is likely enjoying time with her two stunning daughters. Annette, welcome to How'd She Do That?
1: how did I do that? You made me sound amazing. Thank you, Emily. I'm like, wow.
0: Well, I am thrilled. And it's so funny because before we started recording, I was telling you, I did a little research on you and I was already excited about this conversation, but now to know a little bit more, I'm so excited to introduce you to my listeners. So again, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's thrilled to be here.
0: Oh, well, this is going to be a fun conversation. And I mentioned a little bit in your intro, a little bit about your background, but I'd love to actually go back and hear a little bit more about you. Perhaps you can share a little bit about your upbringing and then maybe your journey to the Fashion Institute of Technology.
1: Yeah. So interesting. So I you know, I was uh, actually born of parents that were not from this country. Um I'm actually Lebanese, Jamaican, and Cuban, but born uh-huh. in New York, and um, actually got a chance to move back to Jamaica when I was a teenager, and my father um, manufactured uh, women's panties, so uh-huh. uh, it's really funny how sometimes you come full, full circle back to the uh-huh. lingerie industry, And um, but I had such like, a varied background, and my parents always had their own business, and mm. so... Security for me was within my own self, like what, you know, what I could actually create um, Mm. on my own. It wasn't for big corporations, et cetera. So that's something that, you know, really, I think, made the path for me. Mm. But my love growing up was dance. I was dancing from the age of four, um, starting with ballet. And um, I actually went to the high school of um, – of arts for dance, uh, in Florida, one of five in the country. And I thought I was going to be a dancer. (laughs) And at the same time, I actually, um, realized that I didn't, I didn't think I was good enough to be a dancer. And Mm. so I, I kind of sidestepped over, uh, into fashion, Mm. um, because I also love fashion and I love kind of the movement and feeling of fashion. So I thought when I went to the Fashion um, Institute of Technology for college that I what I really wanted to do was to um, I wanted to go into um, fashion shows and you know be able to uh, organize um, produce fashion shows.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, right off the bat, there's so many connects to what you've done with Nudie. And I love too, to hear just that little sidestep of your parents' business and your dad in Jamaica (laughs) to think, you know, now I know it's a little bit of a family affair. Well, tell us a little bit about your decision process in moving forward and deciding to go to Fashion Institute, because I have many listeners who are recent grads. We even have high school students who are wondering what's their next step. What was it that you loved so much about that was it? I mean, I mean, your love of fashion was key, but what was it that really spoke to you to decide? Okay, this is where I'm going. And then, what was it that you actually majored in?
1: So I, I uh, well, first of all, I loved New York. So you know, again, having um, gone to the theater arts um, high school, and one was here in New York, it was kind of a dream, So, like, <laughs> you know, uh, flash, uh, flash dance, you know. Was, <laughs> was there and it was all about dance and it was all basically in New York. So that was huge for me. Mm. I also had some friends that moved here, but you know, the fashion Institute, you know, has always been something to really um, look forward to. And I mean, mm. that you know, a very big name, you know, alongside Parsons, but almost um, fashion Institute seems a little more gritty, kind of like you're really in it when you're there, mm. um, which is what I found when I, when I got there. Um, so loved being in New York and, um, you know, it was a sidestep because I had taken you know, some classes a year or two down in Florida. And so I was just slightly older when I came to New York. Um, but it, I also got to accelerate uh, quite quickly with mm. the people I met and the jobs that I had um, into uh, the, pretty much a dream dream jobs in the, in the 80s here in fashion. And I won't go ahead of myself. I'll, oh. let, I'll, let, I'll let the story unfold.
0: Oh, but it's so cool <laughs> to even think about you, you stepping into these things. Now, when you were able to, I mean, you were able to move through school and upon graduation, what did that first role out of school look like? And perhaps what was the connect there? How did you find that role?
1: I Actually, it's funny. I was speaking to my connect this morning via text oh, know, how many fun. years later, but <laughs> I had a, um, one of my good friends from high school was dating somebody who was the um, general manager of a store called Diane B. And oh. Diane, Diane Benson, who I'm still in touch with today, it's actually one of the queens of fashion. I mean, she was the first person to ever bring Issey Miyake, Dolce & Gabbana, wow. all these, you know, Jean-Paul Gaultier, all these amazing labels mm-hmm. to the States. She was the first. So he needed an assistant um, as a general manager. And so straight out of school, I went and became his assistant. And we had um, three stores in New York um, and at the time owned also come bigger So, you know, think about the 80s in New York. I was in the thick of it in, like, art and music. Um, We had our our offices were down in Soho. Um, Uh. It was really a dream job and a dream job at a very special time um, in the city for fashion.
0: Uh. Yeah, thinking about you running around New York, I always love when my guests come on and I think of them back in what, whatever it was, whatever entity they were doing right out of school, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like the heyday of yes. the city life. And like you said, art, music, dance, and for all of those passions to be basically at your fingertips, I'm sure that was so much fun. Now, what did, a, yeah. what did a day in the life look like uh, in this specific role?
1: Yeah, it was um, really intense learning. Um, I mean, luckily I got to take a lot of the skills that I learned, but a lot of them also are things that you don't learn in school. So I was, um, we were importing, right? So I had to learn a lot about importing um, and factoring. I was the person in charge of overseeing. We were building out an amazing new store on Wooster Street. And I had to oversee the construction of that and just, Just, by the way, I ended up marrying the contractor on the job. That's where my two (laughs) beautiful children came from. (laughs) I love it. Um, Thank you, Diane. Um, uh, Anyway, so funny. But um, yeah, so I had to oversee that. Um, And um, two years after I actually started in that position, the man that I went to work with, who had actually left gucci to come to diane b wow. which is kind of funny you big name just <laughs> smaller name um but he got really ill and i ended up stepping into his position at the age wow. of 24 because i knew what was going on i worked super closely with him and um so that was a very large, like big responsibility um at that age and um i rose <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, and to think about it's it's amazing even these little pieces because for those of you who are listening you may be familiar with Annette via Nudie and all that she's done more recently, but to think about kind of I mean even the the element of you know the divine or whatever it might be that you were mm-hmm. in that position and for him to leave and and what I mean you're managing three stores at this point how, how old are you?
1: I'm 24 years old. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, when I think about it now, you know, you know, you do these things and then you look back and you go, how did I do that? And <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I, st- I still think now, like, how did I do that? But I mean, I luckily, luckily, I was taking my notes and really watching, you know, how to, you know, deal with bankers and there, there were so just so many things.
0: Well, so many it- things. And so many things I'm sure that later on, and, and of course, we'll we'll continue on and get to this, but that you would look back and be like, wow, that was setting me up. Because every little puzzle piece that we're kind of adding together in your story, I can kind of see how it's shaping out to, to become what you've now created. I mean, and to think about at this point, I'm so curious because you find yourself, you're overseeing these different stores, and you're in a position that, yeah, at a very young age, you've taken on Quite a bit. What what in that time take us back to that mentality? What what were you expecting your career to be like? Did you think that was going to be a forever role? Did you just absolutely love it, or was there an entrepreneurial bug even then that that you would kind of dwell on at times?
1: you know, just to repeat, you know, having grown up in a family where you know my my parents always had their own business it wasn't something that felt unusual to me. And also Diane trusted me, which was huge um, for me. I I consider Diane a mentor. I learned so much from her in that um, role. She was a a true visionary and she had such a beautiful way with people, Mm. um, the way that she spoke to them. And she wasn't afraid to take chances, obviously, because she brought in these designers um, that were new to the U S and um, I learned a lot about art and I actually became a huge art lo- lover through Diane wow. and um, and just learned to what it was like to be a visionary. Mm. Um, and that, that thread has always um, has always been with me throughout my entire career. I was not thinking though, what's the next? I mm. was really just thinking in the moment. Like, how am I going to get through tomorrow? Right. I did. <laughs> well, it's so true. And
0: so many, I mean, and so many of my listeners, you, you might even be laughing at me thinking, well, what were you thinking then? Were you thinking of what's coming ahead? It's like, no. When you look back at those memories, it's like, no, I was thinking about tomorrow. I was thinking about getting over this crisis. I was thinking about opening this store, et cetera, et cetera. Well, tell us a little bit, how long were you there? And what did it look like to kind of transition to your next role?
1: So, you know, at the time that I actually stepped in the role um, was going towards kind of middle to the third quarter of the 80s, Mm. Um, right before there was like a big crisis there. And there was so much um, kind of mismanagement of of a lot of the projects that were happening there, like, you know, overspent on this. And then there was... um, my husband at the time took over as a contractor from another contractor, which we found out had actually been um, stealing money. Oh so my gosh. Thousands wow. and thousands of dollars had been lost, oh. and we were unable to recoup. So, like around 1987, we ended up closing the business. It was so sad. I mean, till, till this day, when oh. I say it, it was just because Diane meant so much. Just so many people in terms of, you know, fashion and art. We had a, um, you know, so many stars and celebrities and things um, shop there. Anyway, so I ended up closing that, you know, with Diane. Wow. Being um, by her side. And then, you know, thinking, oh, what am I going to do for a while? And, um, and then Norma Colley uh, came to life. Uh, and that was kind of an interesting time because that was when Norma, was just uh, closing, she had a store in Soho and one on 56th Street, and she was just closing uh, the store in Soho, which actually was furnishings. I don't know, if you're younger, probably people don't remember that Norma Kamali actually had furniture. Huh. Um, I don't know if you know, but it was really, really interesting. Uh, anyway, so she closed that store and I went to work for her at the time, and it was her heyday. Uh, Um, it was when she was, we had this amazing fashion show in Central Park. I will never forget this fashion show. I have the funniest uh, story about it. So (laughs) she decided to, We were not that far from the park, um, to have it around the pond. So basically, we had to have 75 models, because there, no, there was no changing. So <laughs> we had 75 supermodels, all changing. We had to start makeup and hair four hours before, and then they had to stand there in their whole outfit for four hours (laughs) before they all trudged over to the, I mean, it was, when you think about these stories, you cannot make it up. This is is truly, and I'll never forget just having to manage, you know, just model sweating and complaining and, you know, whatever. (laughs) Never, you know, after that it was really hard to find a model, to model for Norma Kamali. Anyways, uh, we were a small group, but, you know, kind of powerful. It was fun to work for her um, uh, in those days, and Mm. After the fashion show, um, uh, I, we had uh, sewers that were um, doing all the samples on, in that bi- fabulous building that mm-hmm. still exists on 56th Street. So I remember one of the sewers came up to me with a very uh, heavy Polish accent, and she said to me, oh, I see someone looks just like you. And she pulls out <laughs> this Polish newspaper, and there's my picture, and it says, Norma Kamali, famous fashion designer. (laughs) They thought I was Norma. I still have that newspaper to this day. And yeah, so those were just fun days. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope you have that framed
0: because that's hilarious.
1: Yeah. Well, Norma had a, um, she had a, uh, she had this party where she kind of, Got everybody who used to work for her that she could throughout the ages, and I brought that newspaper with me, and she was just laughing. Yeah. So for a minute, I was a famous fashion designer. You know what, though, it was it was um,
0: it was it was showing what was ahead in your life and in your future. Yes, who knew? Who knew? I mean, Annette, this is so fun, and it's so cool too for all of my listeners who are fashion junkies, and of course, some of these names you guys actually know, and for Annette, to, for you to have worked with them. I mean, yeah. it's incredible to think about even even you talking about the sewers and and talking about the different products that you were in yeah. touch with and that you saw in the fashion show. I mean, every little piece really I'm so excited and I'm I'm eager to get to to what you're up to now, but I'm I can see how these little steps along the way throughout your story, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be really fun for you guys to hear all that Annette is doing at this season of life. But but tell us, because I know there's actually a season that you stepped a- away from fashion, not necessarily away from creativity and from beauty and design, but there was. There was a season, was there not, that you actually went into interiors.
1: Yeah, that came a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, that was after I, I worked for Donna Karen. So oh. um, actually, after I got married and had kids, uh, and 9-11 happened, I was working for a very, one of the largest fashion trade show organizers in the world called Egato. Wow, they were based in Dusseldorf, and they had trade shows, obviously, in Dusseldorf, in Hong Kong, and London, and I actually opened up their first, I was a VP of marketing, I opened up an office here in the U.S. to um, get American designers to show at our shows um, around the world, uh, and to get them to export. Wow. And that was kind of mid-90s. And at that point, very few American designers were exporting, which is amazing when you think about it. It wasn't that long ago. Um, so I was a, that was a very tall order. I had to learn what it was like to export. I mean, I was had been importing when I was working for Diane Benson, and now I right. have to teach teach people how to export. And, um, at the time my my biggest, uh, firm that actually I took over was, was Claiborne, um, Wow, funny enough. Um, but so I, you know, was traveling a lot and I had a young kid and then nine 11 happened mm. and I thought, Oh, you know what? I don't want to be away from my kids. Yeah. So I decided to, um, to leave that job and open my own boutique. Um, for a while and just kind of st- stay put. And I got to kind of step into, you know, Diane Benson shoes where, you know, I got to create these incredible environments and um, it wasn't in New York city. So it wasn't like that fabulous. <laughs> it was not so It was in Nyack, but I did bring a little bit of New York city there. And Ugh. people today are still talking about my boutique, which was called in.
0: Ugh.
1: And um, so I kind of stayed there for a while until I, I, I went and I worked for uh, Donna Karen um, when I actually uh, got a divorce and happened to meet Donna. You know, it was very organic, and um, she asked me to come and um, take over retail, which I did. Oh my gosh! So, well, not not for Donna Karen. So let me just tell you a little bit. It's for Urban yeah. Zen, for private company. Oh my goodness! Well,
0: even there, it's so fun to think about, and I and I love too because one of the themes that I'm just hearing within your career, and I'm sure it'll continue to be one of the themes, is this element of networking, and that it sounds as though you really and and maybe to I don't know what would you credit that to the the kind of theme that I'm hearing of networking, and even for you to have mentioned earlier, you know, texting a, a connect earlier today from from just life, just friendship what would you say, you know, is the encouragement you could maybe give listeners within the theme of networking? Like, how, how would you say that's, is that something that comes natural to you? Is that something that you've worked at, but so many of your roles throughout your career have been through your network and through your relationships. Where do you think that comes from?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting because I, I, um, I never use the word networking. Even saying it makes me feel very structured and heavy. Yeah. Um, I just—it was more organic for me. I love people. Mm. I mean, seriously. So I get uh, to chat with a lot of people, and and I've always been that person that have drawn people together. Mm. Um, and so that's just been—I've done it in a much more natural way. Um, I'm—I don't think I'm great at that kind of structured networking. Um, that we, every time I think networking, I think LinkedIn (laughs) Right, (laughs) and (laughs) name (laughs) tags. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but just really more organic, just talking to people. And when you're passionate about something, it's so easy to tell your story Mm. and then so, um, thoughtfully and heartfelt to say, Hey, do you know anyone that, that would be interested in Mm. da da da. Wow. And I think that that's just how it's rolled for me.
0: Well, And it's such a good point for those of you who are listening to think about, yeah, what is it that you're passionate about? Because right off the bat, I mean, we're, we're only a certain amount of time into this conversation, I could say, okay, Annette, art. People, uh, you know, life, vibrancy, fun, fashion. I mean, you know, just right off the bat, because you're sharing your passions with me, and mm-hmm. it kind of rubs off on me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to hear this next step and what it was that you were doing and what you got into. It's just such a great tip, and for for anyone to think, you know, don't think of it as networking so much as relationships and yes. sharing your passions and connecting with others, like you did with Donna. You know, to to connect on those those passions and and whatnot. So. so so tell us, you're, you're now kind of moving forward with this private side of things and working with Donna in that realm. What did it look like? What was the next step? I mean, I'm so eager to kind of hear more about the entrepreneurial side because you had the boutique and that's still something that's very much around the corner. But what did it look like and what role was it that you had after that?
1: Yeah, so working with Donna was amazing because she was this huge name, but we mm. were a startup. So I again got to learn. I got to take my small boutique skills into this large firm, which I, I believe really helped them because they were. We only had three, um, two stores wow. at the time, and um, it was being run as if we had sixty. We would have burnt out in no time. Wow. So I actually left Donna to get married a second uh, time. Uh. And um, because my second husband didn't live here and I needed to travel, that's when I actually started to do interiors, which um, came naturally because when I was at Urban Zen, we had rolled out um, a whole uh, a line of home furnishings and object for the home. And I was really involved with that and getting involved with people's homes, et cetera. So, and, it, and, it, and it goes back to my love of environments and art. And those things were just natural. So I literally just hung up a sign in my mind. (laughs) I said, okay, I'm just going to start doing interiors because I can do this while I'm on the road. I can do it when I'm traveling with my new husband, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but, but what happened and how it came to nudie, um, So now you probably know I've always been in the business side of fashion. I've been the numbers person, but more overseeing kind of retail or marketing, you know, as I did with the trade show company. So for my second wedding, I had this amazing wedding dress that was um, so sheer and um, it was almost like Fortuny silks, like so diaphanous, Uh. and very skin bearing. And I was, I could not find anything I I could wear under my dress. So this is, you know, that old like well, so I made something. So I did 2 weeks before my wedding, I bought this other wedding dress that was absolutely hideous just in case it <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, that it was so not me. And so a couple of weeks before, um I said I wonder if I can make something and I basically went to the store Found some fabric, and I didn't say to myself, I'm going to make a bra. I just said, I just need something to give me a, a very thin layer between myself and my guests at the wedding. Yeah. You know, as I was dancing. So, um, <laughs> my daughters and I actually hand sewed the first nudie. Oh my God. Uh, um, I remember, it, you know, so vividly. And the minute that I put it on my body, it didn't feel like a bra. Yeah. It didn't look like a bra. And I kind of sensated something was there, but you couldn't really feel that something was there. And I, this was a moment I looked around the room and I said, I cannot believe that nobody has thought about this. Wow. And this is, you know, this is me who I know the European market, I know the US market, I'm looking around the room. Right. And, oh, my God. <sighs> so um after the wedding, I said, you know, I immediately it was just like this is something. And and I was a retailer, so I was really thinking, oh my God, if I had something like this at at Urban Zen or at Kamali it would have helped us sell so much more merchandise. Wow. Because the first layer issue is a big issue in in women buying clothes. Right. So I just saw an opportunity big time. And so after the wedding. Literally, I didn't even go on a honeymoon. I went back to the drawing board and I thought, okay, what else, what other fashion are having issues with the first layer? So um, I started to sew three different prototypes, um, oh. you know, with my very untrained hand. Oh my so god! Um, so they look a little bit like Frankenstein, but but they worked. But they worked, um, and I also um, I had come up with the name from the beginning, but it was so funny. That was eleven years ago. This was all happening. So um, you know, at that point, Victoria's Secret was still rocking and rolling with right. the pushups and the wires and everything was about you know shaping the breast and. But I knew, I've always been kind of a natural person, and I never, I never wore push-ups or anything. And I knew that this was really going to offer something to women that they do not have. Wow. And um, so I was writing my nudie name, and somebody owned it in Australia. And so every so often, I would look online to see if I could actually buy the dot com. Uh, one year later, I was able to buy the name nudie. Which was uh, I was just I remember just toasting. I just said, "Oh my God, I've got the name." Yes, but I couldn't. Uh, my my seamstress. I was living in the Hamptons at the time. My seamstress could never get the construction right on the machine, so she was doing all these prototypes with me. And, and I thought I really need to find somebody who has um, has really more uh, development uh, production uh, bras or sports bras or something that could help me. And so from that. Time, 11 years ago, took me um, five years to find that person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to help me. Oh my. There's a lesson there. Don't give up on your dream. Yeah. Um, and it's all timing because when I met the person that helped me, um, you know, Victoria's Secret was still kind of out there, but the, the things were slowly shifting, like women were, were kind of not, or more and more of them were kind of opting out for being shaped. So I thought, okay, this is the time. So um, that's how Moody began, and then it took three years of development because Moody has never been done before. So we actually had to come up with ways of making and producing this in a factory. And that was a journey. I mean, we went uh, to factories all over the U.S. Um, We started to do development in in Colombia and um, thought that that was going to, you know, Work out, and then they didn't want to sign an NDA, so we had to pull back. Oh I mean, it was it was really trial, trial and error. We would we would go to a factory, and they would say yes, yes, we can do this, and then we'd come back, and then they wouldn't answer our, you know emails anymore. Oh. So I mean, it was really it was it was really uh, a very very tough thing to find somebody that could opt into our dream and then do the work that was needed to get this product to work. But we did find a a factory here, which we're actually still developing with. And um, I just, I love them to death. I mean, we know all our sewers, they're (sighs) like troopers. Um, Even when they started, they were not sure that this could work. (laughs) (laughs) Took them a year and they're like, oh, okay, yes, I see. I see the light. And so what we did was we, um, it had been such a long time that we worked on development and And we had over 500 women trialing our product. Oh, my Um, gosh. You know, that's how many women it takes because, you know, we're all unique. And sometimes when we look at our bodies, each breast is unique. Yeah. (laughs) It's in our own bodies. Yes. um, But we decided we were so eager to get it out to the masses. um, We decided to launch on Kickstarter. Yes. Which is what we did in um, 2019. And that took us three years. I'm sorry, not three years. I'm sorry, three months, um, just to prepare for Kickstarter. It was we every word and, and description and every font and everything we put a lot of thought to. Yeah. Um, of course, the video was key, and we were lucky enough to find this amazing uh, producer who um, really <laughs> who did it at a fraction of the cost. Um, because um, they were friends with with the the person that I worked with. And um, so we had a great video. We had a really strong campaign. And when we pushed that button, I cannot tell you the fantastic feeling after, at that point, it was nine years of my dream. Wow. And to see $50,000 come in in two hours. Oh, my God. No, it was beyond Beyond exciting. Uh, it was like, oh, I was right 11 years ago. <laughs> People yeah. do want this.
0: Well, I mean, I'm just sitting over here. I'm I'm like doing the math in my head. I'm thinking about all the hours that you put into this. I'm thinking about the prototype. I'm thinking about your wedding. I mean, yeah. it is so cool, Annette, to hear. And you guys, I've actually, I've been able to try Nudie and it is it is amazing. Your Your pieces are amazing. The feel is amazing. The look is amazing. And it's, it really is incredible to me that you are trying something on at your wedding. You're like, okay, what, what's going to work here? <laughs> and for your the history of your career to have been in fashion and for you to be able to know the first thing that's going to help sell someone else's clothes is this. Mm-hmm. For, yes. I mean, there's just so many pieces of your story that I think are so cool that I would have never put together because it's not my area of expertise. And I love to thank you for sharing that behind the scenes scoop of this wasn't a year in the making. This wasn't yeah. even four years in the making. This was years in the making to have it be what you would have always hoped. And I love what you just said a second ago, 11 years ago. I was right. People did want this and this was a great idea. Well, I'm curious, could you tell us a little bit more because I'm familiar with Kickstarter, um, but there might be some listeners who aren't familiar with that platform and what it does. Could you share a little bit more about what that looked like to be able to launch? Gosh, just you guys, this is a short timeframe we're talking about too, just back in 2019.
1: Yeah. So Kickstarter is a platform for really um, any product, and a lot of times, I mean, we were a little bit further along, but it's a launch site for products, and basically, you are selling, but you're what you're. You're not really selling; you're basically giving the product as perks. So people do give you money for basically uh, a perk or a pledge that they pledge for you. Wow. And sometimes for some companies um, they're, you know, a year or a year and a half out in some cases where you don't even get your product, but they're buying into your dream,
0: hmm.
1: you know? And, and I have to say, I I love, I love Kickstarter because yeah. these backers really are buying into your dream yeah. and they do feel a part. Um, I can say that unequivocally because now, a lot of them, you know, we ended up at 13,000, are our customers today. And sometimes I like to look in our shop and I see, oh, my God, they've come back eight times and they've bought. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it really is incredible. And, and the, but they also know they were there to support us at the very beginning. Mm. So it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. It's like I'm fast forward retailing yes um and, and that's why i love it and and so and you're answering basically every person that comes out to you so for 30 days um we're answering day and night because it's around the world we're shipping <sighs> to we ship to over uh, 40 different countries um you know this one woman i will never forget this luckily it was during the day she was online literally saying oh my god i have not been able to wear a bra i have a stroke i can't um can't use one side of my body and mm. I'm wondering if I could get Moody on you know with oh. just one hand and I'm typing to her and I said hold on a minute I'm gonna try it oh. and I, in my living room I put Moody on with one hand and I was so excited to type back yes you can wow <laughs> yes you can and those are the types of experiences it's just like you can't you know they're priceless they are priceless oh
0: I mean, yeah, I, I literally have chills over here thinking about and and for that individual to be able to communicate with you, the founder. Yes. I mean, how cool, Annette, that you not only did you create something that, you know, people in fashion would love, or uh myself, you know, a girl in Los Angeles would love, but then to have mm-hmm. someone like that say, Can this help me? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. It's it's really amazing to think about what nudie can do, but what an insane example. That that is Wow. Out of all, I've, I've interviewed quite a few women and that's, that's one of the coolest things I've heard that you were actually able to try it on. And then yeah, literally type it back and say, yeah, you can.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I, I hope I never get so big that I can't have that relationship mm. with that person mm. at the other end of the product. I think it is so important. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I still, you know, I have a staff now, but sometimes I still like to um, go on to Instagram or go on you were know, answer <sighs> questions. Like yeah. that. After the Kickstarter, I actually did some video chats because I wanted some feedback as to our marketing. You know, did we describe you Was it what you thought? Blah, 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 you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, sizing, things like that. So um, it really was a one, it catapulted the whole brand. Wow.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, again, you guys just a friendly reminder, we're talking about 2019. We're recording this in 2021 and the growth and, and, and what you've built through nudie and really it is a community. It's a community of women that loves it. You guys, if you haven't checked them out, be sure to do so. I'm going to give you a chance to connect with Annette later on, but it's been so fun to hear. I mean, a lot of this has been highlights kind of uh, different steps throughout the way throughout your career. It's been so cool to hear how, again, all the puzzle pieces have kind of come to, to the fruition of nudie and what you're doing now. But I'd love to know, are there any instances throughout your career that maybe you would say failure
1: helped shape it? Oh, yes. Oh, the <laughs> <laughs> It's really funny. Oh. Um, I have been fired mm. three times in my career, not because I have, wasn't an earner. I made a lot of money for a lot of people. Yeah, And I was always fired for um, telling the truth. <laughs> so wow. wanted to tell the truth yeah or for standing up for um the, for the sales people on the floor wow who always still today they're the most important people and i really want to tell everybody that's out there listening mm-hmm. they are the point person with their customers my yeah. customer service person i have now is is key yeah right because i don't get to dialogue with those people so but i learned a lot from that i learned that um I, now I get to create those truths. Like I really love when everybody, my team, I, I encourage them to tell the truth. We are a small team. We need to know what your truth is.
0: Mm.
1: I, I am there. I want to be a really good CEO. I am there and humbled by the fact that I can actually, you know, um, have this company and I am there basically to almost serve them. What do they need to make their jobs better or to do their jobs better? Wow. And so it's, you know, those, I call those failures. I don't know if they were failures when I got fired. (laughs) You you felt like that definitely for at least 24 hours. Um, Right. um, uh, But then you can kind of like pick yourself up and keep going.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, it's such a great example too. And yeah, in the moment, yeah, you could think, oh, this is a failure, but for you to look back and to be like, no, you know what? I learned so much and I love what you just shared too. You were telling the truth. You were standing up for somebody else. What other better reason to get fired for? I mean, yep. truly. And then for you to be able to take so many lessons from and really from, I mean, gosh, managing a store to now, like you said, being the CEO. And I love mm-hmm. too, I almost feel like I'm just repeating what you're saying, but it's also good, Annette. I love what you just shared about you know, you're, you're really humbled to be in the role that you're in and to be able to say- okay, how can I assist? How can I best help others? So for those of you who are listening, I know we have lots of recent graduates. I know we have lots of women pivoting in in your career, but I also know I have some former guests and quite a few CEOs, quite a few business owners that tune in Uh, And I don't know that I've heard that mentioned on the podcast. So just a a round of applause and just a little pause and rewind moment for Annette, for those of us who do have people who we work with, why not take a step back and recognize, okay, I'm humbled to be in this position. How can I best serve others? That is, I I have chills. That's, That's awesome, Annette. So, so good. Well, on top of all of that, I'd love to know what has been a real wow moment for you in your career?
1: every day <laughs> literally every day i mean you know sometimes it's like oh you know you have a goal and then you get to it like, oh my god i got to the goal and then and then it's like the next goal it, it every day is a wow day from being here on this podcast which i can't believe you know i'm on podcasts Aww. people want to hear my story what yes i mean it really is and it's i find it amazing that it's just an undying um, kind of excitement about what we're doing here uh, and i just want to keep sharing yeah you know because what we're doing is more than just you know eh, another product I and mean, we're doing something much bigger than that here
0: oh yeah i
1: mean it, maybe.
0: oh I, I mean i could i i already knew i was a fan and and a friend and i knew i was excited to chat with you today but yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, and and your passion behind all of it shines through. Well, now, okay, I've got to preface this. And I always love to preface this one with my guests because it's, it's a big question. It's kind of loaded. So that's your warning. <laughs> but I know okay. that my listeners, that would not want me to, to skip this one because um, it's it's a great question. I'd love mm-hmm. to know what is perhaps the greatest lesson that you have learned?
1: That dreaming is the first set step to reality. Yeah, the dream. It's the dream it's that dream, it's that vision. It's yeah, dreams have lots of meaning. Mm. And I dreamed up Moody. Mm. And here we are today. So it really starts with the dream. Mm. Oh my God, I sound like Martin Luther King, but no, no but I mean,, take it, let's take <laughs> it, it to
0: let's take it to that level though. I mean, truly it's it's so fun because oftentimes on the podcast there there's pause and rewind moments where I just tell listeners, okay, pause and rewind, But then there's other moments that it's like, okay, what's the homework from this mm. episode? And I think Annette just said it. I think it's like you guys. For those of you who are listening, and and perhaps this is your first introduction to Annette and Nudie and, and gosh, all of the different things that she's done. But this is one, pause, rewind, but take a moment to think, okay, what is that dream? Or, or maybe, oh, wow. Wow. Okay, Annette, here we go. What is the dream from years ago that Maybe you gave up on, or maybe you forgot about until you've tuned into this podcast. And maybe you thought at the time it would be a great idea, but you know, it's just been years since you thought of it or since you moved forward with it. Well, okay, the homework for you resurrect the dream. Let's see what the dream is. I mean, it, what what else? What better way to kind of have homework from this conversation than either let's look back at some old dreams that maybe need to come back, or perhaps there's a dream that you need to start dreaming so that it can become reality. Oh my gosh! Annette, Absolutely,
1: you, and oh. you know, the second part to that is also that dream does not have a timetable. Yeah. So it's like you have to just trust in the universe mm. because if If I launched Moody eleven years ago, that was too soon. Yeah, you know, it was all like divinely timed, yeah, and the time was right when it was when it launched. So you know, don't push Just stay with it. <laughs> That's why this date today to you like you can't look too much forward because of, sometimes it's overwhelming. Yeah, it's just too much.
0: Oh my gosh. But it's so true. It's so true. All the timing for nudie and you guys, for those of you who are listening, the timing is going to pan out perfectly for you as well. Yeah. Well, gosh, I'm glad I asked that question Annette.
1: Thank that. <laughs> oh my Thanks. goodness. Well,
0: I know that yeah. there's always something fun coming up for you coming up for the team and I'd love to know what's next for you.
1: So, Nudie is a brand, so, you know, we're going to keep to keep educating our consumers um, about what we're doing here, which is, you know, I didn't really talk about it, but really the ethos of what we're doing is we're calling BS on the bra industry because yeah. bras were built to shape women, mm. and so we're bucking up against that and saying, you know what, we do not need to be shaped, mm. uh, like in my case for my wedding, I needed some just to a thin layer that allowed myself to to show up like me at my wedding between myself and my dress. Yeah. That's it. So that's what Nudie's doing. And that's kind of a higher uh, order and, you know, is, is for women to kind of step into their power and be themselves and feel fine with it. Because there's been a hundred years now that we've been um, told what we (laughs) should look like, whether it's flat pointy, you know, twice as large, our <laughs> boobs are fine exactly the way they are. And Moody just gives you that thin layer, uh, where you can embrace your shape, and then you can wear, you know, tons of great fashion that's out there, which you should be having fun with fashion, and it should be easy. Yes. <laughs> you shouldn't have to invest like, you know, in fifty different pieces for fifty different outfits. So that's kind of you know what we're doing. But so long term we would like to Um, be be available in airports and spas and other retail spaces Uh Um, you know this is a grab and go product Um, it's super easy in terms of fit so you will never find this on a hanger anywhere you know where you need to try it on and we are expanding our styles we just um we just launched our second system which is the halter system Uh and next year we have lots in store i mean this fall we have Colors and prints and um, new limited magician styles, but yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of fun things. I mean, I can't tell you them yet. <laughs> we're getting some IP on them first, but um, <sighs> lots of good things in the in the mix for next year.
0: Ah, uh, well, so well said, and I'm excited for those of you who haven't checked out all that Annette is doing and Nudie. You guys, I'm gonna we're gonna get there. We're getting there where you can connect with her. I'm sure many of you have already looked it all up. But Annette, is there anything today we didn't cover that you'd like to?
1: Oh, um, I would love to just uh, give a shout out to XRC. Um, you know, we uh, got into the accelerator program in cohort nine. XRC is an accelerator lab here in New York. Awesome. Consumer focused, and I just wanted to shout out to them because they have been so wonderfully focused on female founders, uh, female founders of color. I I check both of those boxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um and really supportive. I mean, they're really digging down, and so I just wanted to give them. A shout out and they have amazing, amazing female founders with wonderful ideas and concepts and, um, and, um, stores out there.
0: Oh, love it. I love it. Well, within that theme, and even within the theme of networking, which I guess we need to come up with a new term of, of networking, but just, just just moving forward with relationships in life, I guess yeah. is the best way to say it. I'd love to ask you, and this is a question I love to ask guests, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their how would she do that story?
1: Well, I, just going back to XRC, I love Lauren from All Bodies. Um, All Bodies is actually, um, I think they came into XRC at Cohort 10, and they're a digital health and wellness platform for body education. Oh, wow. And, I mean, I thought Moody was edgy. Ah, we have nothing over All Bodies. I and mean, <laughs> they really tell it like it is. Um, but, like, I mean, I thought I knew a lot. I know nothing. Wow. I have gotten so much education from them. They're doing really important work.
0: Ah. Oh. Awesome. Um, So
1: I think she would be great.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, you all will have to be on the lookout for a potential episode with them. Now, Annette, I've been teasing this, and many of you have already looked up Annette and Nudie and all that we've been chatting about, but where can listeners connect with you?
1: So um, either on nudiesystem.com, so that's N-U-U-D-I-I system. So we're on Insta or by email, or you can actually, um, if you email curious at com, you can always shout out and say, hey, I heard Annette. I mean, I'm you know not that far from the curious um, <laughs> email, and I'd be happy to connect. Ah, oh, fantastic.
0: Well, Annette, this has been such a pleasure. I'm so grateful that you would take the time to chat with me today and to come on today's episode of How'd She Do That? So thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can find me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. I hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon.